0: my focus today is strictly on plant pathology that is uh, disease uh, and as we're told it's my desire to teach you disease its cause its prevention and its cure because we are told by the spirit of prophecy that we need to become intelligent in disease its cause its prevention and its cure now she makes these statements with, re- with respect to disease in humans and in- disease in humans starts in the soil then it goes to the crops then it goes to the animals and the crops that are consumed by humans. So let us go ahead and open uh, with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bring us all here this morning. To, uh, we thank you for the opportunity for me to be able to share this information with everyone that is here. And we pray, Father, that you would please uh, be with everyone who, who is on their way, who is traveling to come out to this convention. We ask that you would bring them here safely, that you give them traveling mercies, Father. We also pray that you would be with everyone that's here, that you would help me to uh, convey this information in a way that would be most practical and useful for all those that have managed to make it here this morning. And Father, we pray asking this in Jesus' heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I thought I'd open up with some hope for those of you that perhaps have dealt with a lot of discouragement in uh, agricultural lines. One of the... Statements that is made by Sister White in Ministry of Healing, page 127. She says, and I think a lot of us are familiar with this: the only hope for better things in this is in the education of the people in right principles. It says, Let physicians teach the people that restorative power is not in drugs, but in nature. Just like the medical industry and the agricultural industry, we have largely turned to chemicals to seek for solutions to disease. Um, and we are told that disease is an effort of nature to free the system from conditions that result from a violation of the laws of health. So, this is about plant pathology. This is about disease in plants. So, disease here that I'm focusing on is going to be plants. And this particular statement, Sister White was f- talking about disease in humans. However, the principles are very much the same. In case of sickness, we're told four things. We're given four different counsels. The cause should be ascertained, one. Two, unhealthful conditions should be changed. Three, wrong habits corrected. And then finally, four, nature is to be assisted in her efforts. If we think about that, now, I think as Adventists, we're used to thinking of this statement in health. And we know that shortly after she made this statement, she, made a, she said a few other things that led to what everybody now knows as the eight laws of health. Uh, however, I really want you to take this and try to think about how you can apply this in an agricultural production system. Think of the diseases you're constantly bombarded with. Think about all the challenges you have on a daily basis trying to grow your, your, your crops and ask yourself the question if you were to take this approach where would you start just take a second to reflect on that i hope that i can answer that question today but i won't I'll, i won't go further on it now so education of the people in right principles is the first thing that we're told the only hope we have is education of the people in right principles i hope to bring that to you today the only cure is what Restorative power is not in drugs, chemicals, patent nostrums, which we can say patent chemicals, patent plant genetics as well, which has become very popular in the 21st century, uh, etc., but in nature. Definition of disease. Now, this is the definition that many Adventists use uh, because it comes from Ellen White. The scientific community will not give you this verbiage that you see here in Ellen White. They'll tell you other things, but it's surprisingly similar. In the case of sickness, we're told that the cause should be ascertained. Unhealthful conditions should be changed, wrong habits corrected, then nature is to be assisted in her efforts. The main objective of this course, of course, is to ascertain the cause. What is causing your crops to be diseased? Secondly... Job says, I'm sorry, as Job said in, uh, in chapter, Job 29, 16, she says, the cause which I knew not, I searched out. This is very important when it comes to your crops. It says, in the case of sickness, healthy conditions should be changed, wrong habits corrected, nature's supposed to be assisted, and then we get to the definition of disease from a plant pathology a science textbook. This is the definition we're given. I'm, Disease is the injurious alteration of one or more physiological processes in a living system, in our case a plant, caused by the continuous irritation of a primary casual factor or factors. So that's a lot of words, right? But what does that mean? Well, pretty simply it means that you have, in this particular picture, you have leaf blights, you have cankers, you have uh, wilts, you have fruit rot leaf spots stem blight crown gals you can get root knots uh, you can get root rot you can get vascular wilts you, uh, the list goes on and on i mean there are so many diseases folks i mean i could just go on for days talking about diseases i, I i'm not going to talk about every single disease out there what i'm going to try to do is take those diseases and categorize them into different uh, funda- uh different um, biological uh, organisms. So is it a fungus? If so, what type of fungus is it? Is it a bacteria? If so, then which bacteria is it? Is it a nematode? Is it, is it even a disease? Is it even a biotic organism or is it an abiotic organism? So I hope that you'll understand what that is in a minute. So the three requirements for a disease is a pathogenic agent. This is again the scientific community. A pathogenic agent must be present. That means the pathogen. Some fungus or bacteria, virus, etc. The host, in other words, if you have nothing, you can't have somebody sick. And then, of course, the environment is conducive to the interaction of a pathogen and its host. Now, I think I, I, I may have meant in between these slides to put in the eight, uh, eight laws of health, but I did not. But um, anyhow, this is commonly expressed as the disease triangle. And from a scientific standpoint, what we're told is you need to have all three of those or you won't have a disease. So if you don't have... A susceptible host then you will not have a disease if you do not have a pathogen then you will not have a disease if you do not have the favorable environment then you also will not have a disease so the, the, from a scientific standpoint what they're telling us is that if you alter any one of those three you can get rid of the disease but again of course a pathogen suggests that it's another biotic living organism that is actually attacking your crop so that's actually a disease Versus a condition of the host where maybe you have a Mechanical damage or some other thing that is not actually uh, a disease Or I'm sorry a biotic organism so then oh here it is I'm sorry the eight laws of health So we have we remember pure air sunlight uh, Temperance or also known as a stem, uh, she says abstinence I'm sorry that's a hard word for me sometimes Rest exercise proper diet water trust in divine health etc Um, if we take those eight laws and we try to put them into the disease triangle, we'll say, well, the first, these five pertain to the host. These three pertain to the environment. So when we look at these five laws of health that pertain to the host, it's nutrition. If the the host does not have proper nutrition, well, the host has been compromised. Therefore, the host is now susceptible to a disease. If the host doesn't get the proper exercise, then it's compromised. It's health is compromised. If it doesn't get uh, uh, proper rest, it's compromised. Yes, your crops do need rest. Uh, Some folks have tried to actually put grow lights on a crop around the clock. Guess what? They don't like it. They need rest too. Uh, Abstemianness, temperance. In other words, you can't expect more than a certain amount of work out of your crop. Whatever it is good for, that's all it's good for. You try to push it harder than that, You're not going to get it. Fine examples are when people don't uh, properly prune flowers. Perhaps they put too big of a fruit load on their orchards or on their vineyards or et cetera, et cetera. You're expecting too much from your crop. You're not being temperate. Uh, Trust in divine power. (laughs) You can't farm without trust in divine power. (laughs) And then, of course, there's the environment. Water, pure air, proper sunshine. That is outside of the host. It's the environment. If you have the right environment, it will be conducive to diseases. So then, of course, there's the pathogen. So which ones apply to the pathogens? Well, some of these have a double, a double uh, uh, connotation because for the pathogen, it too is a living organism. So it's looking for the right nutrition. It's looking for the right levels of light, usually low light levels with most fungus. It's looking for water and humidity. Most of the time, if you have excessive levels of water and moisture, um, it's favorable to pathogens, to fungal development. So these. These laws, the way that they're you know, designed, or at least the way that they're conveyed through a scientific standpoint, very much falls in tune with what Ellen White was saying. In fact, she talks, I think she goes further into it. Here, they just kind of cover the surface and get real vague. So I really like, I prefer Ellen White's, but all I'm really doing is I'm trying to take the prophet of the Lord, and I'm trying to take the wisdom of the world, and trying to take the truth of the both, and mixing them together so you can see that what they're saying, what the information that they're conveying, is very much relative to what the prophet of the lord has said so those same principles that we see in health reform for us it's also an agricultural reform for our crops we have to understand that we need to keep those eight laws for our crops that's the overwhelming point i want to get out of that so vocabulary for describing a disease now there's a lot of vocabulary you're going to have to learn some vocabulary if you don't already know it Terms that describe a diseased condition are called symptoms. So we got to, we really need to understand the difference between a sign and a symptom. um, Because when we start to, this is more so especially true when you begin to read literature. Like I said, I cannot go over everything that you need to learn in a six hour course. There are tremendous amounts of uh, information out there. And a lot of times when you read that information, it's overwhelming because we don't understand the vocabulary. So what what I'm trying to convey here is some of the words that we need to understand. So there's symptoms and then there's signs. So a pathogen, if a pathogen can be seen in association with a symptom, the observed pathogen structure is called a sign. So you look at your plants and they're wilted. You ask yourself, why is it wilted? So the wilting itself is not a sign, the wilting is a symptom. Now, when you start to try to ascertain the cause, as we were told by Sister White, we start looking for the sign. So when we see disease, we see symptoms. When we want to ascertain the cause, we're looking for signs. What are signs? The sign could be perhaps uh, you didn't water it. Maybe the irrigation is busted. So if the irrigation's busted, do you have a disease? No. You 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 simply just don't have enough moisture, but let's just say you have too much moisture What if you're waterlogged? What if your valve got stuck open and you're wilting what condition do you have then? Well, you might develop fungus, but you maybe you don't have the fungus yet You're just waterlogged because you can get to a point where your soil has too much water that it cannot transpire, but either way uh, That again would be the actual cause so Examples of signs fungal spores. So now to look for a sign is if we go into the soil and we start looking for per- perhaps you look at the root and you see that it's or, or the root crown and you see that it's a blighted really bad. So, you know, again, that's still a sign. However, to find the symptom, I'm sorry, that's still a symptom, but to find the sign, you would actually have to take that root mass and start to look at it under a microscope and look for, fruit- for fungal fruiting bodies or fungal hyphae or bacteria or something else that is attacking that, that root so that it would actually tell you that sign that's telling you you have a certain disease. If you don't find any of that, you just have a wilted plant, then you know you have some other condition. So, in this particular case, if we're looking for a sign, we're looking for spores, fruiting body, myceliums, sclerotinium, pustules, et cetera. If it's bacterial, then perhaps you're looking for bacteria, uh, bacteria in your vascular system that would give you bacterial wilt. Um, or maybe you have nematodes. That could also, all of these can cause your plant to wilt. All of these will give you the same symptoms, but are different diseases or different pathogens. So signs versus versus symptoms, examples of symptoms, weakened or killed tissues, necrosis, chlorosis, which, of course, necrosis, for those of you that don't know more vocabulary, that is is dead plant tissues. So something that is usually black or brown, that's going to be necrosis. Chlorosis is, as the name states, it's chlorotic, it's yellow, it's not quite dead, but it doesn't look good. So necrosis and chlorosis, rot, you know, soft, dry, firm, et cetera. lesions, canker, mosaic. Uh, of course, mosaic is from a mosaic virus or anything that causes the plant to look, you know, where you have some, chloro- some chlorosis, some necrosis maybe, by, and, and then, of course, some green tissue. that's very sporadic throughout the leaf. Then abnormal cell growth, so gals, tumors, curls, scabs, knots, etc. Those are all uh, symptoms. Whole plant appearance, damping off, blight, stunted, dwarfing, russeting, uh, yellows, wilt, et cetera. Those are, those are all symptoms. So uh, another issue we got to look to is also, um, is it biotic or abiotic? I mentioned this earlier. So abiotic, what is that? That means it's, it is not associated with biology. In other words, it could be air pollution like ozonation, sulfur. It could be soil chemical imbalances. If your chemistry in your soil is way out of whack, that could cause issues as well or uh, frost or physical damage mechanical damage could also be added to this so anything you know broken by trucks maybe running over it or farm equipment etc a biotic now what is that biological organism a living organism of some type is actually attacking your crop so mainly for diseases to be a disease it needs to be a biotic or a, a biotic pathogen of some sort in order to it to be technically classified as a disease of course a lot of times when it comes to insects, they don't look at that as diseases. They technically define that as pest pressure or pest damage, which I'm not going to get into much pest damage today. It's mostly just biotics. So here's some examples of uh, symptoms of abiotic injury. So what do you guys think this one is here on the top left? That's, uh, that's frost damage. So you get a heavy snow. Usually after your big heavy snowstorms, what do you get? Huge drop in temperature. So you got heavy snow, then you get a serious frost damage on the top. What about this leaf here? And the uh, and the grass right there. That grass is kind of a dead giveaway. Salt burn. Both of these are salt burn. So that's the salt. They they plow. dump the the salt on the road. They plow the road. They dump all that salt. When they plow that road, they dump all that snow over to the grass. And then of course the the salt that's in it will uh, throw off, will cause imbalances in the chemistry in the soil and and burn the grass. What about these uh, tomatoes down here? What disease is that? A disease? No. That's calcium deficiency. What about this uh, or, orange right here and that pear? That doesn't quite look like a pear anymore. That's frost damage. So this, this of course, right here is a late frost. Uh, came in and damaged the, the uh, cells here in this orange. And this is an early frost that uh, damaged, partial damage to the bud early in the growing season. So here's again, winter damage, salt damage, lack of calcium, frost, et cetera. All right, uh, what about this one here? Let's see this, uh, I think that's a, a soybean field there. See this this death right here in the middle? What do you think that is? No, that's actually lightning strike <laughs> So it's not always some terrible disease. That's lightning strike that's What about these two right here? You got apples and then you got uh, uh eggplant there? Sunburn. Sunburn. Sunburn right, so that's sun, the sun's cold uh, What about this right here? It's edema you have too, you have too much water retention another this is a this is cucurbits your electron conductivity is too high Get more, put more water in the tank. You don't normally deal with that unless you're dealing with uh, uh, hydroponics. Uh, what about this guy right here at the bottom, bottom left there? That's boron toxicity. What about these two right here in the middle? That was sulfur burn. What about these two here? This one in the, in the bottom right, herbicide damage. <laughs> Sometimes it's real simple stuff, folks. (laughs) Sometimes it's not a disease. So one of the most important things you got to figure out is that when you're dealing with disease in your crops, a lot of times, it's not a disease. (laughs) It's some other thing. Very, and I think I didn't put a picture in here, actually. I did not. I wanted to put a picture of another one. This looks very similar to a mutation, but it's not a mutation. You can get mutations on the external portion of the cells. Depends on what cell is mutated. But if you get mutations, a lot of times people think, oh, I got some terrible disease. And no, it's actually just a mutation. (laughs) It's not anything that serious. Okay, so abiotic causes. Um, Different ways that you can understand when something is abiotic versus abiotic is to observe a the spread of the disease so is it episodic in other words um or is it acute i mean is it you just had one incident and then it was gone or you had one incident and it's getting worse and it's spreading you see so a lot of times when we're looking for disease as a farmers as growers you can't just you know i, I get it all, i get this all the time somebody will send me a picture of something and say hey what do you think this is it's like i don't know <laughs> you have to watch something for a long period of time so if you just text me a picture like this right here I don't know it could be i mean just like you guys everybody gets something different you know somebody said uh spider mites. somebody else said uh potassium or something oh that was over here potassium burn it could be anything you know so you have to observe that pattern over a period of time so if you're the farmer and you're looking at your crops like i mean you're looking over them like you ought to be you know one day you're just going to walk up and you're going to see this leaf damage like that and then you're going to probably freak out but if you keep watching it and it doesn't get any worse and then you realize, oh, well, that's right, I sprayed, or maybe the neighbor sprayed, and it, you know this is all next to your property line, and you know your neighbor sprays. Well, then you know that maybe it had something to do with what your neighbor sprayed. So there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration when you're trying to diagnose and figure out what is wrong with your crop. You can't just jump to conclusions based off of a picture in a textbook. So a lot of what you need to learn and understand is that you have to understand all the various things that are going on, and of course... The amount of time is it spreading or is it staying the same of course there's regular distribution or uniform damage so is it just right along the fence line next to the neighbor that may be sprayed or do you have it on the by your fence line and maybe a little bit in the field and maybe a little bit more somewhere else then you know that this is not your neighbor your neighbor's not the blame um, then there's of course that's what I mean clear lines demarcating healthy and damaged tissues so if you see that you know all the maybe all the tree branches on the right are sick or, or Blighted or something, but everything on the left is not. Then you have a clear definition there. It's probably abiotic. It's probably not biotic. Uh, then there's more than one plant species may be affected. So you you notice that, like in the picture, going back here to the herbicide damage. Maybe well, let's pretend that's a weed on the ground. But you also have your trees or your berries or whatever are uh, seeing the same damage. So you have multiple species that are affected by the same exact damage, then you know that you're not dealing with something, or you're most likely not dealing with something that is biotic. Uh, Then there's linear stripes. There's more common uh, near the edges of the host population, which means it's probably something to do with osmotic pressures or nutrition. Uh, Here's uh, some biotic. In this particular case, uh, we have a a fungus in here. So a turf grass fungus. So you see, you've got these really weird patterns. They're kind of everywhere. Uh, it's worse. It's very necrotic in the center than getting chlorotic. You can tell it's spreading. This is most likely biotic, right? It has a very strange pattern. Um, unless you think that maybe UFOs landed in your field or something, but no, I mean, this is clearly biotic. Uh, you look at this pattern again up here on this leaf, you see that you have some, uh, some leaf spot on, on, I believe that's, I think that was citrus, but I don't remember. Um, anyhow, again, very spread out. It's not episodic. Down here as well, uh, they're arranged irregularly. Symptoms are uh, symptoms for biotic causes. Symptoms are typically arranged, arranged irregularly. The transition from health injured to healthy is more diffused, varying sizes and stages of severity. Like here, you can see that these are this this ring is much much larger than that ring there, and then of course here this is a little smaller in between. So you can see that looks like a lot of inoculum landed on this field. This is probably a. a uh, Polycyclic disease, which means you have multiple uh, inoculants through the season. So maybe it started here, 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 and here, and it spread since then. So this is how you know, okay, this is probably biotic. Uh, the same with this leaf. You can see multiple, inocula- multiple inoculation points. Um, there's a reason why on leaves. I'll talk about it later. There's a reason why you, you have these spreads like that and it only goes so far and then it stops because then you have a whole system of defenses take off and different enzymes are produced by the plant to actually prevent it from spreading any further, but it can only go so far. So that's how we end up with that same inoculum going maybe just a few centimeters over and starting again. So here's another observation pattern. So random distribution. So like in this particular example, this square right here, that could be 100 acres, that could be 20 acres, that could be just one greenhouse, it could be a garden bed, but you have multiple points where that particular problem has sprung up, whatever that might be. So that's a random distribution. They're uh, aggregated or uh, contagious distribution. So you have similar things. So maybe it started here, but now it's contagious. So it's moving like in those those circles we saw, fungal circles of turf grass. You have multiple different spots where it starts, but then it starts to spread, which means it's contagious. It's beginning to move and take over your crop. Uh, And then patch distribution, like for example, in this particular area here, you could have uh, a a nematodes that took off and uh, maybe that part of the field, or you could have a blight that took off. But another thing, again, that you have to take for account is if this is a 10-acre field, and there's a river that runs this way, and you know that this part of the field is always flooded, uh, then maybe you're dealing with Pythium. So you know these are the kind of things that, as a farmer, you have to take into consideration that uh, this is a very three-dimensional dynamic world that we live in, and there's a lot of things that you need to take into consideration when you're trying to diagnose what's wrong with your crops. so, observation patterns within a plant. Um, there's the primary versus secondary symptoms. This is another issue. So, I, I touched a little bit on it earlier. In this particular case, I think we're looking at uh, a root rot here, possibly a pythium. Um, and then we're looking at a, uh, a wilted, a, a wilted or- ornamental. Um, when we see that it's wilted, you know, that's, the, that's the, primary, the primary symptom. That necrosis right there by the crown, that's your... I'm sorry, that's your, this is your secondary symptom. This is your primary symptom up here. So to figure out exactly what that is, then we know by seeing that the plant is wilted that we have the vascular system has been under attack. Now, why is the vascular system being attacked? How is it being restricted? Of course, you gotta start looking at the stem. You gotta start looking at the vascular system. Perhaps you gotta rip that crop out and, uh, and uh, take a closer look. Uh, which I'll take a second to say, uh, when it comes to the subject of plant pathology, as well as entomology, which is pest, insects, and disease, it really, folks, it really, really does you a lot of good to get microscopes. This stuff is all in the microscopic level. It is, I mean, <laughs> you can't hardly see anything without a microscope. So if you don't have lenses to be looking in closely, um, you know, microscopes, even if they're just dissecting microscopes, if you were to put this particular root right here, and you were to cut up, you know, say right there by the crown and put it under a, a dissecting microscope with the amplification of, say, maybe a hundred. Boy, when you look and see what's going on in there, it's a real wake up. You'll know right away what's going on. But a lot of times we don't. We get real comfortable thinking that it's something and then we want to rip it out and throw it away. And it's very important for us to understand. I'll talk about it later towards the end. but. We really need to understand what, is, what exactly, it's very, very important to diagnose your problems down to exactly what it is. And the reason why I say this is because there's a lot of times where farmers make mistakes where they think, you know, I don't know. I'll just pretend, like an example is tomato or potato late blight. Let's just say this is a potato plant, which it's not, but, and these are potato roots. So you go and you pull this out and you say, oh, I got late blight. Well, what if you don't have late blight? Well, first off, first off, what if you do have late blight? What are you going to do? You find this out in the middle of your potato field. What are you going to do if you got late blight? Most farmers would just rip the whole crop down, say, forget it. Right? But what if it's not late blight? <laughs> well, what if it's just a couple of nematodes, and you could have just inoculated it with, you know, some styrenerma or something, and got rid of the nematodes? Yeah, but you ripped your whole crop out. <laughs> you know, that cost you a lot of money. See, so when you jump to these conclusions and you think worst case scenario, it costs you a ton of money. And folks do it all the time. They think, you know, we, we, when we were growing tomatoes. We, uh, we, I asked one of the guys to uh, spray some citric acid. And he got some on some of the tomatoes. So some of the tomatoes got burned and it looked like blight, like lake blight, phytophthora infestans. So uh, when the tomatoes went out, everybody, we got like multiple reports. Oh, he got phytophthora, phytophthora. The guys freaked out. And they wanted to rip the whole thing out and i went and i looked and i said this is not phytophthora this is citric acid burn and when i took the pieces and i put it in the microscope i didn't see anything but dead plant tissues there were no fungal hyphae at all it had nothing to do with the fungus yet some folks are ready to rip the crop out it's very important to diagnose down to exactly what it is and if you don't have that skill set every single university has a disease clinic a lot of them are free you could take samples in and they'll do it for you i know the one in oregon is free uh it's down in corvallis in quarterly hall on the first floor uh how many of you guys are from oregon wow really washington okay we got a good number idaho california wow every single one of you guys is blessed with a really good disease uh, uh, uh uh extension so uc davis uh Oregon State, Washington State, I'm sorry, yeah, Washington, no, yeah, Washington State University, and I think it's University of Idaho, if I got them all right. Anyway, all of them have disease clinics. They're very good disease clinics. Uh, I think all of them are free. I'm not sure about California. Uh, the New England has them. The only one that charges is Massachusetts. All the other states are free. Uh, Florida has a really good one, and Gainesville as well. You can mail your stuff in if you don't know what it is, but definitely, 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 before you make drastic decisions. Figure out what it is. If you got nothing out of this course, please get that out of this course because it'll save you sometimes thousands of dollars just to diagnose properly what is really affecting your crop. Okay, very, very important. So within plant patterns, you've got root rots, you've got wills, wilts. So this, all of this right here affects... Wilting so you see that your crop is wilted you could have root rots you could have wilts you could have uh leaves. I'm sorry with both of these up here both of those will cause Wilting ultimately so if your roots are rotting and you don't see that because it's in the ground of course uh, But you see that the crop is wilting uh, it Could be any number of different pathogens that affect the roots uh, it could be pathogens that affect the vascular system it could be uh, nematodes or it could even be just as simple as too much water Then you have leaf spots and stem cankers, and they all have primary and secondary symptoms. So for root rots, you have lesions on the roots. You have secondary symptoms are foliar chlorosis, a stunting, a root and top dieback. You know, with wilts, it's very similar. Vascular discoloration, secondary symptom is a unilateral wilt of leaves and defoliation. Roots remain healthy, but the actual vascular system is damaged, which has the same uh, secondary symptom as a root rot, but very different primary symptoms. So you can eliminate them right away. Uh, so laboratory test, of course, um, very important, like I mentioned, for identifying things, microscopic observation of signs and uh, incubate disease tissue, or well, if you, if you t- take your plants into a laboratory, they're going to take them uh, and they're going to look at everything under a microscope, they're going to take the inoculum and they're going to try to re-inoculate it someplace else and see what exactly it is. And follow those patterns, they're going to look at the, uh, at the actual fruiting structures and figure out exactly what type of fungus it is. So are you dealing with Fusarium wilt or are you dealing with some other uh, Actomycete or Basidiomycete or Oomycete or exactly what type of fungus you're dealing with. Uh, if you really want to pay the money, you could even have the DNA tested. You can figure out exactly what race it is. So, my example. I have maxi-fort rootstocks. It's supposed to be res- genetically resistant against fusarium uh, will uh, brace one and two, but not three. And guess what? I got hit with three. So it happens. <laughs> it happens. Of course, it didn't happen until the calcium went down to about 40% base saturation. I'll talk about that later. Uh, final diagnosis. Diagnosis is a form of hypothesis testing. Diagnosis is detective work. So they're really digging for this information. Multiple pieces of evidence must be required so they don't just jump to conclusions. Uh, evidence must be weighed accordingly and to come to draw conclusions and give you a final diagno- uh, diagnosis and be able to tell you exactly what pathogen is actually attacking it. Uh, and of course, once you know that, you know what, uh, what's, if you're gonna turn to the sprays, which I, I, um, I didn't wanna get into too much right now, but I have some manuals here that I wanna give out a little later. I have three of them that I'll give out. And then I've got these as well, um, very, very good sources. But anyhow, you go to, you, 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 you go to. so for, I'll give you an example. If folks come over and they try to sell me stuff all the time. I mean, everybody that sells chemicals is gonna show up to your farm, they're gonna wanna sell you chemicals. The guy that sells lime, he's gonna wanna sell you lime. The guy that sells seeds, he's always got the best seeds. Somebody is always gonna show up to your farm trying to sell you the best or whatever they got. So what you have to understand is whether or not those are any good. So. When I have issues with certain pests, you know what happens? The guy that sells sprays, just spray them. The guy that sells biologicals, oh, I got the best biological for you. And you know, another guy will tell me, well, no, do this other fertilizer thing. Everybody wants to sell me a product, but which one really is going to work? You have to get intelligent on exactly what organism is attacking you because when you understand what organism is attacking you, you can go to tables like this and look at a large list of chemicals, look at the active ingredient and figure out exactly which pathogens they work on and which ones they don't. And I've seen farmers that'll take certain uh, sprays that are intended for, uh, uh, for prohibiting ascomycete fungal spores from germinating, and then they'll put them into a tank and they'll put it into the ground. And what does that do for you? Nothing, absolutely nothing. There goes 400 bucks plus the labor. It did nothing for you. So you have to understand what those chemicals are used for and what pathogens they can attack. Because if you think you have a fungal disease, but you really don't, you have a bacterial disease and you're spraying fungicides, what good is that gonna do you? Nothing. You're just wasting your money. Another fine example of why you got to know what is hitting your plants. Very important to diagnose the diseases properly and come to serious conclusions. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www. Dot audioverse.org.